0: Today, I want you to open your Bibles up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about authority. We're going to start in verse 4. I want to start at the foundation. The authority that we have as believers is tied to our relationship with him. Everything flows. You know, if you're around me very much, you know, Pastor Mark, all the pastoral staff, all the leaders, everything in our church, all I ever talk about is all ministry, it flows out of the overflow of your personal walk with the Lord. Your whole life flows out of that overflow. And it's all based on the love of God. I love that song we sang. All our hope is in Him. He 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 is my everything. It wasn't always like that for me, you know. Growing up, I was saved at a very young age. My mom accepted the Lord when I was two years old. Single parent in Chicago. I accepted the Lord when I was four and a half years old, and you know, uh, made every mistake in my life as a Christian. And But the bulk of my whole walk with God was what God could do for me. And boy, that really limits God when you're all about you. I mean, g- growing up, man, when I, when I really started you know, getting in sports and basketball was really my love and really wanted to play in the NBA, figured out the first time I got on a court with an NBA player that that was not even in the realm of the same universe of possibility, but that was okay. By that time I was into, I was in the call of God and it was awesome. But you know, growing up, the the focus of my prayer life was that I'd have, that I'd play really well. That was it. Then, as I really, as I moved to Southern California and I was living on my own at 17 years old and really found my life, came back to the Lord in a powerful way, really rededicated and reaffirmed my faith. I guess I couldn't rededicate my life to the Lord. I grew up in a Baptist church and my rededicator was wore out by the time I was about 13. So I just changed it. I said, reaffirm my faith, right? Kind of drew a line in the sand and, and went hard for him, found the call of God, all these things, but it was still all about me. And, 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 I, and I was just, boy, I never was able to lay hold of much in that way. And then when I came to the revelation knowledge of so many scriptures on the love of God, and, but, but here's the thing, it took God some time to get that through to me because the lie that the enemy had told me is that I was worthless. I would walk around growing up and the Lord showed this to me. He, he, you know, he, he showed me that that all the times I'd walk around and I'd say this statement over and over and over again, this world would be a better place had I not ever been born. Where'd that come from? Straight from the pit of hell, right? And when the Lord showed me that, and he said to me, Tony, when a lie is exposed, it loses all its power. And man, when I got free from that, it was amazing because I went from, I would preach on the love of God and I knew God loved everyone. But me, I just didn't really have a revelation that he really loved me. But then I got a revelation that he really loves me. And all of a sudden, it, it sent me on a path. It changed my whole walk with God. It, it turned everything right side up. And all of a sudden, the dots started connecting because I was no longer seeking after what he could do for me. I was just seeking to know him. And in reality, I had what I was doing by keeping my eyes on him, he was able to harvest into my life. So I want to I show you this because to understand the authority of the believer, you got to understand it's, it's rooted in your relationship with the Lord. God has provided everything for you and I because of his great love for us. He came looking for you when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So this, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it starts in verse 4, and this was called the Shama, And the children of Israel were to say this. And here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. In other words, we know it, in the New Testament, right? We read this under the light of New Testament truth. We know, we know exactly what that is. Our Lord is the three who are one. God the Father, who always comes up with the plan. God the Son, who always carries the plan out. God the Holy Spirit, who always reveals the plan. They work together. The three who are one. And it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your might. Wow. In other words, the love that God requires is the action of the whole personality. And this, what it does is when you do that, this opens the door for him to do what? To mold us into the image of Jesus. You see things like, every time revelation would come of who Jesus was, many times, when people would have this encounter, their name would be changed. In other words, when Jesus is going, hey, he's at the Temple of Pan, and he's like, listen guys, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It was the most evil place at the time. You've heard me talk about this before. Jesus said, hey hey, guys, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're a prophet, John the Baptist, all this. And and then Jesus is like, yeah, 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 okay. Well, who do you say that I am? And then Peter speaks up. We know by revelation of the Holy Spirit, you are the Christ, the anointed one, who's anointed by God. You are the anointed one, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, listen, Simon... Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father revealed that to you. And then right after that, he changed Simon's name to Peter. In other words, when you, when you get a revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, it brings revelation knowledge of who you are. We have to know who we are. We've been given authority. Our enemy does not have authority. He's a master deceiver, and he's great at distracting you, but he can't kick the, the, the door of your life down and ruin your life. He's got to make you open the door to him. And we're not doing that. We don't do that here, right? It says this. It says in verse 6, And all these word which I, words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, And you shall teach them. This word teach in the Hebrew language means you shall engrave them diligently unto thy children. It's diligently because why? Kids don't always, it's not always fun. But we're not to just teach, we're to engrave. How do we do that? We not only, see, we not only teach with our mouth, but first of all, We teach with our life. I'll tell you, in all the years of youth ministry in Southern California, all the years, the hardest group to ever reach was not the kids that came out of drugs, alcohol, all this stuff, not the gangbangers. Those guys were easy compared to this group. The group that grew up in church where their parents were one way at church and another way at home the only group that was actually that i've ever met that was actually harder than that was this small group where their parents were pastors and they were one way at church and another way at home because they 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 don't perceive who God is we're to engrave this upon our children and you'll talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down when you rise up You'll bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them upon the post of your house and on thy gates. This is what we're supposed to do with God. How do we do that? We love him. We obey him and we cleave to him. For he is our life and he is the length of our days. You know, this is an amazing, amazing truth. Go over to Song of Solomon. Hallelujah. Just bear with me for a little bit. We're just going to flow here. Do we have time to go to the Song of Solomon? Maybe we don't have time to go to the Song of Solomon. Let me see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's a little statement, I mentioned it earlier. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 16. It says this. It's, it's a truth. It says, my beloved is mine. It's the phrase in the Hebrew language, Dodi Li. And it finishes by saying, and I am his. It's the Hebrew phrase, Annie lo." My beloved is mine, and I am his. The more that you comprehend that God is yours, that he's given himself to you, the more you'll be able to give yourself to him. So many believers are holding parts of their life back from him. You know, there's some unforgiveness that they don't want to give the Lord. There, there's there's some obedience that they don't want to walk in. And obedience seems to be a kind of a, a strange word in the body of Christ right now. And it robs us. It's like, no, you know, I, I kind of want to pick and choose. I, I really don't like that tithing thing or that offering thing. And I wish that pastor would never talk about money and, you know, and all this stuff. And But I really do like this healing thing. And I like this, no, it, that's not, See, the Word of God is not just a bunch of ink on a page. It's a person. So this is why this is so important. I am His. And this is the foundation of everything that we are to be or do in God. It's knowing that I am His because He first is mine. Now if you go, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. It even brings this out in New Testament this is would be considered a parallel scripture to this 1 John chapter 4 hallelujah hallelujah look at verse 16 it says in in 1 John 4:16 and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us in the greek you could translate that to us Or in us. In us would probably be a little bit more accurate, but you can go either way. We have known and believed the love that God has to us or in us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God. How important is it for us to walk in the love of God? This is interesting, right? Now there's some teaching out there, and it, it's it's very it's very shallow, where people will say, "Well, First John was not written to believers. It was you know it was read it was written to Gnostics that were that were had infiltrated the church at the time." But if you really read after any theologian, Gnostics had not come about yet. The, the ideology of them might have been there, but, but if you actually, if you look, you can see it, it kind of starts jumping off the page. Where John wrote, like, like, look at chapter 5, verse 2. By this, we know. He uses the word we, us that we love the children of God when we love God. Three times in one verse. It's all over the book of John. It says we, us, but then at another time, it'll say them. It totally, when it's talking about an unbeliever. It's really an interesting study when you go into it. But it says here, we, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness. This is a confidence and assurance in the day of judgment. Now, don't think this is, called, this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. No, this word judgment means in the day of accusation, in the day of crisis. That might be right now today for you. But when you dwell in love, 1 Corinthians 13 says love never fails. It says here that we might have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Isn't that amazing? As, not as Jesus was when he was on the earth, as he is now. Why? Because he's given us all authority in, the, in his name now. When he came out of the grave in Matthew 28, he said, listen guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and now you go in my name. And in the name of Jesus is all the presence, the power, the provision of God in that name. It says here, verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So you walk in the love of God and you won't have to worry about being in fear. See, fear... The law of the spirit of life, Romans 8, 3, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is selfishness, self-centeredness. It's the very nature of Satan. What flows out of that law is fear. And fear will connect you to the, any, everything the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. The law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus is his very nature. It's the law of love. It connects you to faith. Faith works by love and it will connect you to all the blessings of God. So if our enemy is powerless to make us do things, if he's been stripped as the word of God says, wouldn't it make sense that he's going to try to distract you and get you to think that what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing is above this. Every thought of the enemy has its end in this. The word of God just doesn't work. It started in the Garden of Eden. Surely God didn't say, in the day you eat of this fruit, you'll die. Come on, Eve, what what does that mean? You imagine Noah? Hey, guys, I'm building an ark. Right? What's an ark? It's a boat. What's that? Well, it's going to rain on the earth. Rain. What's rain? See, sometimes... When you follow God, people might not understand. But the enemy's just trying to get you into pride because he wants to connect you to fear so that he could steal the word out of your heart, which is, how does he steal it out of your heart? He can't go into my spirit, but if he can get me to take my eyes off the word, he'll get me to doubt it. This is faith. This is no faith. When you get your eyes off Jesus. But look at what it says here. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We must have a revelation of God's nature, which is love. And then it says this. Here's the scripture. That's the parallel scripture. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Guess what the number one revelation the Holy Spirit's going to always want to bring to your heart and he wants you to see deeper and deeper into it is that God loves you. He'll say, I love you. I'm going to see you through this. I'm your victory. Faith works by love. It says, but if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen How can he love God who he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, love his brother also. Pretty simple. So let's go back to when that was spoken. Let's go to John chapter 16. You guys doing okay? I'm telling you, this is world overcomer training today this is get everything in your life to line up with god hallelujah it says here john chapter 16 i want you to see this hallelujah hallelujah it says these things have i spoken unto you that you might have peace In the world, you're going to have tribulation. This is pressure, right? You're going to have anguish, mental anguish. That's going to try to attach itself. That's what that Greek word means. You're going to have persecution in this world. It's going to come against you. Burdens, things are going to try to burden you. You're going to have trouble. But then he says, but be of good cheer. In the Greek language, it'd be... Take courage and be bold. I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? So then if you jump over to John chapter 13, verse 33 and 34, this is Jesus now, the last time he's with his disciples. What does he say? Look at this. A new commandment I give unto you. Ooh. See this is the commandment that we live by. Well, what about the law? Well, wait a minute. The Bible says the law was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law. So I'm no longer under the law, I am under grace. Isn't that good news? Wow. But this is the commandment. Notice he didn't say a new suggestion. New commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Interesting how the Holy Spirit saw fit to say love one another twice in one verse. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. In other words, You and I are identified with Jesus as we love each other. This is why, why do you think that people are not flocking to the church? It's not because of any other reason, but we don't have a love, we don't have a revelation of how much God loves us. So... We don't love each other. But the Bible says, man, if I'll just love Quentin the way Christ loves me, and if he'll love me the way Christ loves him, it says all men will know. Now notice, there's no unbelievers hiding out here today, spying on us. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know that Jesus, I know about Jesus because I could see the love. No, they're not here. Isn't it amazing as we walk through life and as we love our brothers and sisters as he loved us. Now think about that for a second. We're to love, I'm to love Pastor Edwin and Lisa in the same way that Jesus loves me. That's unconditional, right? It's unconditional. It means it's not based on what they do. I'm, in other words, it's a decision. And if I'll do that, then all, then all men are going to know. They're going to they're they're smell the fragrance of Jesus. How many believers just so live for themselves, and because they're living for themselves, the stakes keep getting higher. The chaos in their life gets higher. And so they, they're more focused on what they need, and now pretty soon, man, God, you've got to move. And they're carrying so many burdens, They can't be conscious of loving anybody else, and they're wondering why their faith doesn't work. You get free when you walk in love. What are we talking about here today? We're talking about the foundation of authority. Because if you don't have a love, a revelation of the love of God for you, you won't be able to grow in your ability and revelation to love him, which is the foundation of your authority. And I'm telling you, it's time for us to know our authority. Because economies can do this, governments can do this, society can do whatever. We are the ones in the earth that are to show the world Jesus. You mark my words, the church is not going backwards ever. The church is going forward. And we are to show the love of God. It's the answer to everything. And it's greater So let's look at the love of God real quick. Boy, I'm going in a different direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You guys doing okay today? 1 Corinthians 13, if you look at verse 4, it says this. Love, this is defining the love of God. It, It suffers long and is kind. Now this word charity or love, it's the word agape. It's the love of God. The love of God is kind. The love of God does not envy. The love of God does not vaunt itself. In other words, it doesn't brag. Okay? It's not puffed up. It doesn't walk in pride. It does not behave itself unseemly. That means it doesn't behave itself ugly or indecently. It's see, now, this is the big one. This is why, it, it's why the love of God makes you free. The love of God never seeks. Look at this. Never seeks. Seeks not her own. It means you don't consider yourself. Wow. So, so we have some people getting married. Pastor Mark and Angelica are getting married here in a couple weeks. Jake and Alicia, you guys are getting married before the end of the year. They're entering not a contract. Now, in, in, on earth, they will have a marriage contract. You enter a contract to protect yourself. If you buy a car or a house, it protects you, right? And it protects the person who's selling stuff to you. But no, as as married, as getting married, we enter a covenant. Jeanette and I entered a covenant over 30 years ago. A covenant is different. A covenant is entered solely for the purpose of blessing the other party. So, So when Jake and Alicia get married, Jake is saying, I'm cutting covenant with you, Alicia, because my sole focus is going to be to love you and to give myself for you to not consider me. And Alicia's going, my sole purpose for entering this covenant is to consider you and not me. And if they do that, wow, things will run great. If they ever hit any kind of bump in the road, which, you know, if you've been married any length of time, you get into self-centeredness. Does that ever work out? No. If you can't say amen, say oh me, right? Have you ever as a husband said something and you'd give anything to just go, oh, I wish I could grab that word and just, right? Have you ever won an argument? Nobody ever wins an argument. Right? Nobody. You might think you do. I debated when I was in high school. I quote, never was beaten in debating. But if you ask the person that I was debating, I never, I never, or I never beat them. You don't win a debate. So why we as Christians, we don't consider ourselves? This is what makes you free. When somebody stings you, You look at that and see it for what it really is. I wonder what's going on with them that has brought them to this place. This is why God says things like, hey, listen, you're my child, you're righteous. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper. So don't worry about people trying to set up weapons against you. They're not gonna prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, listen, I've given you authority to condemn the tongue. It won't produce. Joshua 1.5, listen, don't worry. No man's gonna be able to stand before you and block you from doing what I've called you to do. Pastor Damon, there's nothing that could ever stop him from fulfilling the plan of God for his life, for this ministry. Now, it might seem like it, right, all the time, but nothing can ever stop it. Mark my words, Faith Family Church will be brought to maturity, totally, right? It it just, it'll happen because he's faithful. So this is the love of God. This is so important that we hear this. It does not, Behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. And the love of God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then it comes to verse 8, and it says, The love of God never fails. How would you like to never fail in life? Walk in the love of God. In your little faith mobile, right? Or your big faith mobile, whatever. There's a gauge on there that you better make sure never hits empty. And it's your gas gauge. But in your faith mobile, your faith mobile doesn't work by gas, it works by love. So it's that love meter. So always guard your heart. Don't ever let unforgiveness or bitterness ever become part of your life because it, it literally cuts you off from your ability to seize hold of what God's given you. So authority. This is, this is a huge thing, guys. A huge thing. Let's, let's go over to Genesis chapter 1. So look at what God did when he first set this whole thing up. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. First thing he did is he said, let them have dominion. This is the right and power to rule and govern. It's sovereign authority. Man was to have sovereign authority in the earth. And it says, over all the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Thank God we have authority over creeps right? The biggest one who's walking on the earth is Satan. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And then he said this, and subdue it. This means to conquer it, to bring it under permanent rule, and to stop any future resistance from happening. Well, he had to say that because Satan was in the earth. He was cast down. We don't know when, but he was in the earth. He showed up in the garden, right? They were to have dominion. They were to subdue. This is huge. Now, if you go to Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, verse 4 even brings it out a little bit more. And I I want you to see some things because you need to understand authority. Authority. Psalm chapter 8 in verse 4 says this. It's that interaction. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. And look at what it says in verse 6. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his Feet. Isn't that interesting how that's written in the Old Testament? Because we're going to see that Adam and Eve, they gave up this authority. When they sinned, they turned it over to Satan, but Jesus got it all back. And now you even learn from Ephesians 2 that all authority, Jesus is seated above all authority. Everything is under his feet, still right today. We have authority. This is huge. But now let's just fast forward. Let's go through a few scriptures of of what Jesus did when he showed up on the planet. So here, Satan, I mean, when he's tempting Jesus, he said, listen, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these nations and the glory of all of them if you'll just fall down and worship me. Because And and he said this, it was a temptation because Jesus didn't say, oh, you liar, that's not true. Jesus Jesus did not say that it wasn't true. And Satan said this, because it was delivered to me, this authority was delivered to me, and I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. Jesus never argued with that. He just told Satan, it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God, Right? so we see jesus he's in the earth now now you got to understand he's the second adam he was not born in sin right so he had delegated authority on the earth at one point he delegated his authority to his 12 disciples and he told them you go out heal the sick cast out devils then he sent out 70 more and he gave them delegated authority over all the ability of the enemy. But then things changed when he came out of the grave. So let's look at this. Just look, now you are where you at? Are you in Luke chapter 9 yet? Not yet, yeah, okay. Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Alright, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Just remember it's the foolishness of preaching. Bear with me here. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Now, this it it says this then he called his twelve disciples together and he gave them power now remember this is after the Holy Spirit came upon him he was baptized in the river Jordan the Spirit of God it says it descended upon him as a dove it doesn't say it was a dove and we know he had the fullness of the Spirit right If you look at the body of Christ in the earth right now, we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Each of us have a part, a measure, but you put us all together, we're the body of Christ. Jesus had the fullness. And he gave them power. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's miraculous. It's stored power that is released. That's a Holy Spirit word. He gave them power and authority this word authority is the greek word excusia it means delegated authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them to preach the kingdom of god and heal the sick now in verse six it says and they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere what is the gospel that they preached It explains it in other scriptures, but the gospel message was, hey guys, the kingdom of heaven is here now. That's that's still the gospel message. God has done something wonderful. So let's look at verse 10. And the apostles, when they were returned, told Jesus all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him and he received them and spoke unto them of the kingdom of god and healed them that had need of healing so now luke chapter 10 verse 1 now he's going to send out 70 after these things the lord appointed another 70 also that's verse 1 luke 10 1. and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come Therefore he said unto them, The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. Now let's look at this. We keep going. Verse verse 9. And heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come near unto you. Now verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy. So the 70 come back and they are excited. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. In other words, they had learned the extent of their authority as they went out and did something. I wonder if we will gain a lot of clarity about the authority of the believer as we go out in the name of Jesus and follow him in our day-to-day lives starting when we get out of here today. wonder what would happen to a believer if they'll get up every day and say, okay, Lord, I thank you that you've appointed me you've ordained me you've called me into this earth to bear fruit and i'm available so you use me i'm just available i wonder what would happen the situations that would come up i bet people would come back with joy going man i met this person and laid hands on him and god healed him or i you know i i ministered to this person and they got free from something They learned the extent of their authority as they went out. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now he's talking about an eternity. And then he says, Behold, I give you power. Power. Excusia. It literally means I give you, literally, delegated authority to tread. That means to have absolute authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Don't get mixed up because it's the same English word. This word, this Greek word literally means over all the ability of the enemy. He gave the 70 delegated authority to have absolute authority over all the ability of the enemy. This was before he went to the cross. These 70, along with the 12, were not born again like you. And they had delegated authority. That's, that's amazing. Why am I saying this? Because you have to know what we have today is greater than that. We have to know this. So let me go on here to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power or the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But then look at what he says, verse 20. Now they're all psyched because devils were subject to them. People were getting healed. All this stuff was happening and they got so excited. But then Jesus brings them down to earth and says, listen, notwithstanding, don't rejoice about that. Don't miss the supernatural because you always got to see the spectacular, in other words. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the greatest thing in our life. What does that mean? All of our authority is connected to our relationship with Him, you're a child of God. There's nothing greater. Everything is that. You get burnt out in ministry. You get burnout in life. It's because you've lost a revelation of what that means. Man, you're the head. Not going to be. You already are the head. All the epistles were written not to give you things, but to show you what you've already been given, who you already are in Christ. Does that make us something? Well, something in Him, but it's all about Him. It's not about me. This is huge. So go to James chapter 4, because this is what we've got to know to walk this out in our life. James chapter 4, verse 1. Or verse 7, sorry about that. James chapter 4, verse 7. This is a huge scripture. We quote it all the time. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Man, you could resist the devil all day and all night and he's, he's going to laugh at your face if you're not submitted to God. We've got we to quote this right. I mean, submit, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Man, that'll preach. But we need, to, we, we need to be scriptural. You submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. When you submit to God, he's first in my life. I'm his, and I live my life like this when i say it's written and when i say devil you get out of here i bind you in jesus name he has to leave but if i'm if i'm over here see this is what happens pride in the bible it talks about and self-centeredness it blinds you so could you imagine being in a fight but you have blind spots that'd be dangerous because if you have a blind spot here and this guy's fighting you, you wouldn't see his right hook coming to take you out. You don't want blind spots in your life. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, really want, I really want God to bless me, but I'm not going to stop doing this or not doing this or whatever. I want to live my own life It's blind spots. And what happens is people, you know, for me as a pastor, I'll see it. People get all on fire for God and and they want God, but it's all about them. And and they get to a point where the Lord starts putting his finger on one area of their life and they're like, "Mm, no, I don't want to give you that one. And they stop growing. Right? And, And what happens is eventually they'll say, well, this doesn't work. This is why we as believers, you guys, I'm telling you, this is why you be strong for your brothers and sisters. So when somebody makes wrong decisions, you'll see it a mile away. You know why? Because we all have a PhD in making wrong decisions, don't we? We all, we all, we all understand this stuff. Guy has a sin habit, oh man, I could dissect. I know more about that sin habit. I don't even ever have to do that particular one because all the principles are the same for all of them. And we understand hey, listen, God will help you. I pray for my brother, I, I, I minister grace to him with my words, I encourage him. Never beat him up or my sister. All this stuff, right? This is why we have to do this. So last week, I want to finish because, and, and I'm so glad the Lord's letting me get to some of my notes here. But let me finish with this. You know, last week, go to Ephesians chapter one. We're going to start in verse twenty. But this is a prayer supplication. But it, then it lays out. I want to bring it modern day. So Jesus gave delegated authority, but then when he gave out, he, when he came out of the grave, he said, "Listen, all authority." has been given to me in heaven and on earth and now you go in my name so now we are no longer servants of god in our relationship with god we're children of god we're his very children i'm a servant of god as i serve others it's hilarious when you read the new testament you could see it it's it's always servant if i'm serving others but when it's talking about me and him i'm a child i'm a son And I've been given authority in the name of Jesus. I've been made righteous. So Isaiah 54, in righteousness, I'll be established. You can't move me. I'll be far from oppression because I'll never fear. From terror, it won't come near me. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I'll condemn it. All of my children will be taught of the Lord. Great will be the peace of my children. Why? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. New Testament. This is the heritage. My heritage is a child of God. And God says, and his righteousness, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So now I am in this earth. I am to walk like Jesus walked. I'm to do his works. I'm to use his name. And the more I do that, I don't get glory. He gets glory. Because it's him. And Paul prays this prayer for Christians that are walking by faith and in love. He says, Father, that you would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you so that they would know three things, the hope of your calling, the incredible plan that you have for their life, the riches of the inheritance that you've given them. And thirdly, in verse 19, he uses four of the five Greek words for power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power that's pointed to us as we believe his word? And then right after that, he says this, Verse 20. Now he's going to talk about, literally, Paul is going to explain this power. Why it's pointed at us. We have to know this. Verse 20. Which he, talking about God the Father, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. I said this last service. This is the way the Lord gave it to me. The death of Jesus was the supreme expression and demonstration of God's love for mankind. The resurrection of Jesus was the supreme expression and demonstration of God's power. We must have a revelation of the power that is in the name of Jesus. And this is why Satan doesn't just run away right away. He's going to stand there and see if you really, is that word in you richly? Or are you just quoting something Pastor Tony said? Or something maybe you've just been hearing? But when that word is in your heart coming out of your mouth, it'll cause him to run because it's no different than if God was saying it. Ephesians 1, 21. Well, which he, verse 20, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Wow. Jesus' name is far above and forever above and you have his name the power is ours therefore satan is done in our lives we have to have a revelation of this we must 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 have a revelation of this now if that wasn't even good enough and then he says this and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church All things are under the feet of Jesus. Jesus and the church are one. Jesus literally died for you and I. Why? Not so that we could just have a blessed life. Yes, he did die so that you could be blessed. But not only that, he died for us so that we, through him, can change the world by bringing heaven to this earth, by bringing Jesus into your situation, into your family situation, into those people that you come in contact with. That's why we're here. Hallelujah. He's head over all things to the church, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness that filleth all in all. See, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he transferred all of his authority to his church on the earth. We are the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, we are waking up. And we are reviving. And it's going to create the greatest harvest in this world. We are the answer to every race problem every economic problem every injustice the love of God is the answer and what how do we do that we bring heaven into this earth we love with a love the world doesn't know an unconditional love we are able to love the unlovable we're able to love people that do us wrong Listen, there's so many things going on in the world right now, but you do know this, right? All of this anger and all of this rage, Satan wants to turn it all against to where now the church is the problem. It's what he's always wanted to do, but guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Man, when the world might come out and slap you on the cheek, you're going to turn the other cheek. Why? Because I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I look, I look past what, what's being done to me because I'm focused on what's being done in me. Greater is He that's in me. And I know my God, Daniel eleven thirty one 31 and 32, so I'll be strong and do exploits. That's things beyond my ability. Why? Because it's Christ that lives in me. Wow, this is so big hallelujah let's keep going chapter 2 i want you to look at verse 5 we're going to close with this verse 5 and 6 it says this even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together that means hath made us alive together with christ i have been made alive in christ by grace are you saved See, I was given life. You were given life, the very life of God while you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Hallelujah. Salvation rests in the work of God through Christ alone. Hallelujah. Jesus redeemed us. Verse 6. Isn't that amazing? That when God, when God raised Jesus that kratos power was so great that it raised you and i too it's amazing and that same power that's only one of the four words for power that is pointed to you as you believe god don't let anything come between you believing god listen let every let every man be a liar but let god be true this is truth Truth is not of this world. Truth is not what I think it is. Truth, thy word is truth. John 17, 17. It's not subject to change. It can't be changed. It's forever settled in heaven. You have dominion given to you by God so that you can be Jesus in this world. And everything that you do, people won't even see you. They'll just see Jesus. Jesus. I love this, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. I'll never forget when the Lord showed me this revelation. He said to me, Tony, and, and all the study, it just, whenever he talks to me, it's like he'll say one statement and all these scriptures just come up. Royalty sits. God the Father made you and I sit together in heavenly places in Christ, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, above every name in this world and in the world to come. I'm sealed with the very name of Jesus. It's in Him that I live and move and have my being. He's my everything. We, as God's offspring, are raised to sit together with Christ. In other words, I am seated in the anointing. The anointing is my seat of authority. I walk in it. I operate in it. I flow in it. To operate in our authority, we have to know where we're seated. Listen, in your life right now. Don't look at your circumstances and let that define where you are. See, if you have sickness in your body, you'll start to see yourself sick if you if you take your eyes off the Lord. But when you see who you are in Christ and you realize that by his stripes you were healed, see, it's not... It's not that faith denies that you have something going on in your body. Faith never denies a circumstance. It denies the right of it to be in your life. Poverty and lack are a spirit, and they'll never stop messing with you until you you stand and mess with them you tell them to get out of your life I'm telling you, you take authority over poverty and lack in your life and you'll see a release of finances in your life that you've never seen before it's amazing see I'm not the sick trying to get healed even though I might have a diagnosis I've seen the MRI I'm not denying that I just deny it's right to be there why because of who I am in Christ it's got a bow faith family church We're gonna yield all of our fruit in our season. We're gonna see the kingdom of God cover this city as the waters cover the seas. We're gonna see it. Why not us? Why not Omaha? Why can't Omaha literally be a place where it's really hard to go to hell, right? Where the power of God, where the church rises up and bees the church. Oh my gosh, we don't have to all believe the same. You can sprinkle, all immerse. What? Take a hose out back and baptize them. Ba- I'm not going to argue with you if you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and I baptize in the name of Jesus or if I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and you baptize in the name. That's just nonsense. We are the church. We walk in love. Our Episcopal brothers down the street, Listen. Do you know if you look at doctrines, all of us are pretty close. It's Jesus. To operate in your authority, you must know where you're seated. I love what it says, has raised us up together. In these two verses in verse five and six, this word together is used three times in two verses. See in verse 5 it describes our union with Christ as being quickened. In verse 6 it says we've been raised together. In verse 6 it says we're seated together. Living living a victorious Christian life is dependent only on your dependency. Only on your dependency in, of Christ, not yourself. If you're dependent upon yourself to make it happen, you won't live, in, you won't live victoriously. But if, if my dependency is based on Christ alone, that's the doorway to the victorious life in Christ. I am who I am and what I am because of him. In this sermon, anything I've ever done as a pastor that's worth anything is all because of him. If somebody here to ask me, are you a surfer? I'd say, absolutely. Because what I'm doing right now, what I did in the first service, I surf. I'm on a wave. It's his wave. I don't try to make the wave, but I know how to catch it. Because I, I live in the ocean. I live in the ocean of his presence. And I've gotten very well versed. Oh, this wave isn't it. Oh, that wave isn't it. See, I don't have to know what I'm going to preach three seconds before I get up here. Because all of a sudden, that wave comes in and you just get on it. If you've ever ridden a wave, it's so easy. It's just so easy. The wave does all the work. But if you try to catch the wrong wave because you like the way that one looks or feels. Some waves will take you in a different direction. Some waves, have you ever had this? Some waves just all break, see some waves will break here and they kind of go this way and they'll take you this way. Some waves will break here first and then they kind of go this way. Some waves look really good but then what they do is they just do this. That's not a fun wave, right? I remember when I moved to California, the first time I experienced that, I thought I was gonna die. I'm under the water and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm what, 17 years old? Finally, I just had this thought. I know now it was the Holy Spirit. He said, stand up. And I stood up. And I saw about 10 people on the beach laughing at me because I was in knee high water. It had just, I was just tumbling all over the place. I thought I was 20 feet under the water. And he said, stand up. And I, just before I even thought, I just stood up and I was knee-deep in water. You know, and being a 17-year-old really cool guy, just kind of smiled and turned around, went back in the water, because I'm like, I am not walking in there, even though I'm kind of hurting right now. I've got sand in both eyes, right? Together, it's frustrating. So frustrating. When you're trying in your own strength to live for Christ instead of simply just letting go of everything and letting Christ simply live in you. There's an anointing when I say that because I remember the day that God said that to me. When are you going to stop trying to live in me and just let me live in you? I'm so glad I did that. I want to encourage you to do that. The walk of faith is a rest It's all Him. Don't make your life all about you. There's no life in it. Amen?